0: hello this is emily matchett from legends a superhero story and you're listening to tale of the manticore
1: the following podcast is intended for a mature audience listener discretion is advised Welcome back to Tale of the Manticore, Season 2. Like the creature from which it takes its name, Tale of the Manticore is a mashup, a crossbreeding between two different species of storytelling. Here you will find the unpredictability of old-school RPG paper and dice games with the storycraft of a dark fantasy novel. No character is sacred, and no character will be spared if the dice decide their fate is at hand, according to lore. The Tale of a Manticore is barbed with cruel iron spikes. There will be much pain in the days ahead. Last time on Tale of the Manticore. The last chapter begins with four new player characters. These were not the four I'd been expecting, but they are the ones the Dice decided would lead us through the story, at least for now. They are... Shawnee, a blond-haired rogue with a bitter attitude. Cole and Tamlin, a fighter and a cleric, respectively, who are both new recruits to the so-called Church Thieves Guild of Silmoral. And finally, their leader, Yellowfly. The quartet is preparing to raid a safe house, the location of which was surrendered by Ratleg, the captive member of the rival Weeping Eye Guild in Episode 1. They travel a few miles away from the main city to a nearby village, where they hope to find the farmhouse that shelters a target worthy of their effort. The element of surprise is lost when Yellowfly accidentally makes a sound and gets the attention of a watchdog within. With that advantage lost, he directs the burly Cole to ram down the door. Next, in a flashback to one year ago, we catch up with the tomb robber Larys. Larys seems to be in some kind of fugue state when Roburn Gary finds him roadside. Roburn is the highly lethal brother of Larys' late partner, Eleora. Eliora's death in the tomb, it appears, will be a problem for Larys. But, as he is threatened and even hurt by Roburn, the tomb robber seems not to care at all. Something in him has changed. Or died. It's as if he isn't even really fully present. Cole is trying to ram down the safe house door. The BX rules give us instructions for facing stuck or difficult doors of the kind that might be found in a dungeon. The typical farmhouse door would not normally be a problem for a big man like Cole, but this might not be a typical farmhouse door, this is a safehouse after all, and it's not hard to imagine that it is barred or otherwise reinforced on the other side. BX says that any character has a 2 in 6 chance to open such a door. Cole, because of his great strength, has a plus 2 bonus on the d6 check, so a roll of 1 to 4 means he succeeds. A failed check in this case will indicate that the door is barred or otherwise blocked from within. Here's the roll for Cole's attempt. Well, okay. Chapter 3 Part 1 Day 1 Night Party status Yellowfly 8 of 8 hit points Shawnee 5 of 5 Cole 8 of 8 Tamlin 5 of 5 Coal crashed through the door and burst into the darkened hall beyond, sending splinters of rent timber everywhere. A calamity of activity followed as a thickly muscled gray-black mongrel appeared from an interior room with drool hanging from either side of its mouth. Wild dark eyes locked with coals as it sprang, barking madly. Simultaneously, the sounds of mixed voices cursing rang through the house from somewhere on the second floor. Yellowfly had time to identify more than two voices. Cole had no such thoughts, and was busy trying to keep his throat clear of the mutt's snapping jaws. Entering Combat I will rule that the first round of combat will be between Cole and the dog alone. After that, Yellowfly may join the fight, and whoever is in the house may take action as well. To get stats for the dog, I had to go to the Advanced Rules Monster Manual. This is no trained war dog, though it belongs to an ex-member of the Silmoral City Watch. It's a common dog, and as such, has an AC of 13, a bite that can do one to four points of damage, one plus one hit dice, which, for hit points in this case, means... Okay, I've rolled a three. I need to stop and quickly discuss yet another house rule. In order to avoid overly easy combat encounters, I bump up low monster hit point rolls to half maximum, and you'll often hear me mentioning minning out. For example, a one hit die creature with a maximum potential hit point score of 8 would get raised to a 4 if they rolled a 1, 2, or 3 on the die. With 1 plus 1 hit dice, this dog has a potential hit point range of 2 to 9. So that complicates things a bit, but given that plus 1, I'll just say the halfway point is 5. Therefore, this dog has 5 hit points. Sadly, the Monster Manual 1 doesn't list morale scores. I'll give the dog a morale of 9, loyal but not unshakable. Okay, that's enough Prelude. Let's get into it. Round one. Initiative. Cole. Two. The guard dog. Six. With chain mail and no shield, Cole's armor class is a 14. The dog is extremely fast and can easily navigate the dark hallway, whereas Cole must fight on unfamiliar ground. Here's the dog's attack roll. Natural 20. Wow, what a start. This is going to hurt. I've rolled a three, so that's a total of seven damage because of the crit. Cole goes down to one hit point in the very first round, and this campaign is shaping up to be a real meat grinder. Bleeding everywhere, Cole lashes back and swings his axe. With his plus two bonus, he just needs to roll an 11, an eight. He's been tackled and borne to the ground where the mongrel savages him. Not a great first round. One thing is certain it'll get more complicated in round two because both the yellow fly and the safe house owner will enter the fray. There's a voice from upstairs.
0: Get him, Rafe. Kill him, boy. Gah. Where's my goddamn sword? What's going on? You must keep me safe. You stay back and you grab that
1: crossbar. Come with
0: me. <sighs> get up. Up right now.
1: Round two Initiative. The church. Two. The safe house. Six. Not good, not good at all. Will the dog attack the new threat as Yellowfly enters the hall, or stay on Cole? I'll give it a one in four chance to change targets. A four on a D4 means it does. A three, it will continue to bite Cole, but a 10 means it cannot quite penetrate Cole's chainmail shirt. (coughs) A man appears on the stairs, naked, save for a pair of stained undergarments and a broadsword. He has a short salt and pepper beard and keeps his hair cut close to the scalp. He has the look of one who used to be strong, but time has turned most of his muscle to flab. Still, his eyes are bright and he looks dangerous. This is Nobre, the safehouse owner. Nobre immediately takes in the scene, sees Cole covered in blood, and smiles humorlessly.
0: (laughs) More than you bargained for, eh, skeg?
1: Before leaping into the hallway to face off with Yellowfly. Wraith, the guard dog, needs a 14 to hit Cole. A 7 misses. Wraith continues to shake Cole by the forearm, growling and huffing, but it cannot penetrate the man's armor. Now it's Nobray's turn. He'll need a 14 to hit Yellowfly, who, like Cole, wears a chainmail shirt. Nobray has got a 4, steel meets steel, and the blow is parried. Now it's the party's turn. Cole needs an 11 to hit the dog. He's rolled a 10. The dog has locked his jaws over his weapon arm, and he cannot get it free. The two of them continue to wrestle in a pool of Cole's blood. Finally, it's Yellowfly's turn. He only needs a 10 to hit the unarmored Nobre. With a two, blades clash again and again, but neither fighter can find a weakness in the other.
0: Hello there, I'm Calvin Piper, host and DM of the Wild Magic School Bus, the most unprofessional D&D podcast you'll ever hear. Excuse me, how can you call us unprofessional? Uh, One second, Ohiana, I'm recording a trailer. Join me and my friends each Monday as we travel through the fantasy world of Talroon Mall, a land divided between magic and man. Hold on, uh, are we just going to exclude lizards from that? And robotic sidekicks that were once lizards? Oddly specific, but sure, we can include them. So come along for the ride on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows, and listen to D&D, the way it was meant to be endured. All right, everyone on the bus. All right. thought I have a window bus. Hey, uh, Zef, what's a podcast? Oh, ah, uh, yeah, well, uh, Tabini, a podcast is when, when a group of people love each other very, very much, and they
2: want to... Uh, As this thing on?
0: Angus, can't you see the red light? God, how bad are your eyes?
2: I can see the red light, but no one said to talk.
0: Hi, I am Marie Redgate, and um, this is...
2: Angus McRae.
0: And we uh, fight monsters, because those are real.
2: The boogeyman that you fear, they're real. thing under your bed, it's also real. But we're here to fight them.
0: Kick their ass, but, you know, that's close enough.
2: Do you even really think we should be doing this?
0: I mean, who would believe so a couple of uh, monster hunters from a little town called Hendrix, which we're stuck in, thanks to you? Thanks to me. I would have been gone a long time ago if I still had a car. Well, I yes, you shouldn't have drove it off a bridge. We interrupt this bickering to inform you that we are Redgate and Wolf, an actual play Monster of the Week podcast. Wait, wait, wait. Why,
2: why is it Redgate and Wolf? should not be Wolf and Redgate. I do all the work, and as she talked about kicking ass, I do that.
0: You wouldn't be able to go anywhere to kick ass if I didn't drive you there.
1: Drive me. You drive me crazy.
0: Find us on your favorite podcast app now.
1: Chapter 3. Part 2. Day 1. Several hours before. On the way to the farming village of Rall, where they were to find the safe house, Yellowfly and his party first had to pass through Domor. The township of Domor was more mercantile than Rall, but still modest. The party made one stop while they were there. This was to deliver a package to an ally of the church, an apothecary named Silmer Rotson. Silmer's place was a slender, almost tower-shaped building, a freestanding structure made of dark wooden planks that seemed to Cole to lean slightly to one side. A sign out front read, Bitter Patch Remedy Shop, in thinly scripted white letters, although Cole could not read it. Despite it being the middle of the day, inside the shop was dark. A pungent odor filled the place, produced by the fungus and roots that hung drying on every wall over placards featuring more of the same spidery handwriting Cole had seen on the sign in front. He did not like the smell. It made his eyes water and his stomach tighten. They were meant to be raiding a safe house, not delivering parcels. He was eager to be done with their business here and get on with the real job. As Yellowfly was a direct kind of man, he wasted little time in admiring all the strange sights. Other than the mushrooms and roots, there was more glassware on the shelves here than he had ever seen gathered in one place in his life, for example. He walked straight to the back of the room and wrapped his knuckles on the counter. A slender man of advanced years emerged immediately from the back room. In a single glance, he took in the quartet with their arms in armor and immediately stiffened.
2: May I assist you?
1: He asked, cautiously. Yellowfly set a box on the countertop. The wisest of sages. The apothecary relaxed visibly. Hmm. Content
2: in their cages.
1: He replied, completing the proverb and providing the correct passphrase response.
2: Silmer Rotson at your service. You have something for me?
1: Yellowfly indicated the box on the counter. Silmer looked a bit disappointed. Only this. Yellowfly shrugged.
2: Very well. Then I suppose... Oh, miss, don't touch those.
1: Shawnee, looking bored, was poking through a basket of assorted withered mushroom caps. She withdrew her hand and turned away without saying a word.
2: Um,
1: yes. My thanks
2: to you for this service, master.
1: Yellowfly. The name did not faze Silmaratsen. He had worked alongside the church for years and was used to their aliases. Of course. Well,
2: my thanks to you, Master Yellowfly. And also...
1: I'm going to make a reaction roll to see how favorably Silmar Rotson acts towards Yellowfly and his party. I don't think he is actually a member of the church, he just does some business with them, so I won't apply any bonus to the roll. Furthermore, Yellowfly, despite being a leader, has a very average charisma, and he has no bonus. For this check, I'll roll 2d6, The higher the result, the better. Rolling. Ooh, a four. Too bad. I had already started imagining what kind of cool things he might give to the party to aid them. With a four, I'll say this package doesn't even require him to make a payment, let alone give a special gift. Of course.
2: Well, my thanks to you, Master Yellowfly. And also, please tell your people to keep their hands off my goods. If that woman gets sick, the blame is all on her.
1: <laughs> Yellowfly grunted in response and then turned to face the others. Jaunet, call. Tamlin, wait outside. I'll be there anon. Silmer watched them go and then took the small package from the counter.
2: What other business brings you to Domor? He
1: asked, somewhat reluctantly. In truth, he had no desire for conversation, but maintaining a lucrative association with the church required that he at least pretend friendship with people like these. Just passing through," replied Yellowfly, picking his teeth with a fingernail and then inspecting it. Headed on to Roll to deliver a bloody nose to the Winks. The who? The Winks, we call them. The Weeping Eye. Ah, yes, of course.
2: I've heard they're making a name.
1: Too much and too loudly. Came out of nowhere a little less than a year ago, and now they're everywhere, it seems. They've had their fingers in every good job for months. Scaring the fish away, so we're gonna give them some hurt. The fish? I don't
2: follow your metaphor.
1: What do you mean? Silmer glanced at the door to the back room and half turned, but Yellowfly missed the cue and continued. Scaring the fish, you know. Too much activity makes the jobs go away. People get nervous and stay low. Their leader is a little over-ambitious. No room in Silmoro for someone like that, unless it's us, of course.
2: Quite right. Who is their leader, then? Where did they come from?
1: No one knows. Some say a warlock who made a deal with the devil. One person can't have so much success so quickly. Can't be natural. It doesn't work like that. Well, good luck with your Bloody fish,
2: or whatever it is. I must return to my practice. Fare thee well. Come back if you wish to purchase something.
1: Friends prices, asked Yellowfly, straightening himself and preparing to go. Silmer looked at the little package in his hand and back at Yellowfly and sighed.
2: Of course. Friends prices. Now, good luck and goodbye.
1: Let's return to the present. While Cole is being mauled by the guard dog, Wraith, and Yellowfly is trading blows with the mongrel's master, Tamlin and Shawnee are outside, in position. Certainly Tamlin can hear the sound of vicious fighting from within, but he can see that there's no way he can join the fight. There just isn't enough room in the hallway. It's barely wide enough to hold the three men and the dog. Meanwhile, Shawnee has moved around back. She's hidden in a hawthorn brick, where she has an arrow knocked and ready to fire. The house has no back door, it turns out, but there is a shuttered window on the second floor. Shauna expects that it will eventually open, and she's right. It does. But she is still caught off guard by what she sees. What would you do if you found yourself in an unfamiliar
2: land?
0: I'm from Evermeath Isle.
2: What about what about Gratitia? Anybody heard of Gratitia? So we're from different places, how? like different
1: worlds?
0: Abducted from your home world and trapped
1: in a prison with no possible escape.
2: That's against the Geneva Convention. I don't know what that
1: is. That doesn't exist here.
2: Oh, you know someone named in Geneva? Is she dead? I don't know. They beat her up a little bit and then they took her. I don't know
0: where she hmm. is. She could very well be dead. You uh, You guys like beating up smaller creatures, huh? What of it? It's none of your business. And he's going to flick your nose. Great. I punch him directly in the mouth. Out of many, only four will rise to the challenge.
2: My first role of this series is a one. Ooh, yeah,
0: that's good luck. To escape this hell. And you're locked into solitary for three days, trapped in a room no bigger than a broom closet. It fucking sucks here, DM! DM! And find a way home. Let's start a fucking riot! Find your way home this June 16th on Save the D8. Epic.
1: A middle aged and weathered female face appeared at the casement. The dim moonlight made it hard for Shawnee to make out any details, but whoever it was, they did not appear to see Shawnee at all, where she was standing concealed by the hawthorn. Once the heavy shutters were open, the face disappeared, and a thick coil of rope came sailing out the open window. In moments, the woman, wearing just a nightshirt, was on the rope, but moving faster than her age should have permitted, and looking more than comfortable using a rope this way. Before she knew what she was doing, Shawnee had stepped out of the brake and was pointing her arrow at the woman. Good evening, she said, surprising the woman so much that for a moment it seemed she would slip and fall. Instead, the stranger pinched her face into a grotesque frown, causing her jowls to sag. Shawnee just raised and lowered her eyebrows. A word before I let you touch the ground. While Shawnee enjoyed a clear upper hand out back, inside the farmhouse, the fight was very much still undecided. We have only just reached. Round 3. Initiative. The church. A 6. That's more like it. The safehouse. A 3. Cole needs an 11 to land a hit on the dog. He's rolled an 8 and is still unable to get free of the dog's iron grip. Yellowfly, engaged in hand-to-hand combat with the unarmored safehouse owner, needs a 10 to hit. 13. That's a hit. Yellowfly's longsword draws blood. A D8 for damage five points. Let's see, does he have any bonuses here? No, his only bonuses are to intelligence and wisdom, so five points it is. Now I haven't rolled the safe house owner's hit points yet. He's ex-city watch, so he gets a fighter's d8 and will min out at half. Here's the roll for his hit point score. I've rolled a two, which I will raise to a four. It doesn't help him though. Yellowfly's sword has pierced his left breast and reached his heart. He drops to the floor, clutching at air. Wraith, the guard dog, needs a 14 to penetrate Cole's armor. I've rolled an 8 and the deadlock between these two continues, and it's time for round four, initiative, the church, a three, the safe house, a four. A couple of things need to happen before the fight continues. First, Wraith needs to roll a morale check, being aware that his master is dead. The dog's morale is a 9, here's the roll. A five means it stays. Also, there's a man hiding at the top of the stairs, just at a view. He's clutching a crossbow in both hands and trembling in fear. He's a small man, clearly not a fighter, and he needs to make a choice here. Can he rely on this dog to save him? It's not likely. I'm giving him a morale of six. He's too intelligent to have a score higher than that. His rule. An eight. He throws down the crossbow and descends the stairs with his hands up, while Wraith continues to attack Cole. Wraith needs a 14 to get through the chainmail, but a hit will kill Cole, who only has one hit point left. The roll. A three. Cole will live another round. Will Wraith? Cole needs an 11. 17, that's a hit. Rolling for damage. Six plus two is eight, whoa. Cole lifts the dog into the air with both hands and brings it down hard on a huge splinter of broken doorframe. There's a sickening wet crunch as Wraith is impaled on this improvised stake. The dog winds out its final breath and dies. And with that, combat is over. Here's the scene immediately after the fight at the safehouse. Tamlin is occupied with attending to Cole's wounds, bandaging his neck with strips of cloth he finds in the kitchen, and declaring that Cole will survive, though he will almost certainly have scars on his neck. In the meantime, Shawnee comes in through the front door with her prisoner at Arrowpoint. Yellowfly has a prisoner too, the trembling little man on the stairs who threw down his crossbow without having fired it. Shawnee trades her bow for a short sword and watches over both prisoners, while Yellowfly performs a quick search of the rest of the house to ensure there are no more surprises. want me to kill him, called Shanae to the top of the stairs where Yellowfly was just reappearing, carrying a coil of rope over his shoulder. This was mostly an act. Shanae had no qualms about killing, but she was no sadist. She simply respected the power of fear and wanted to disabuse her prisoners of any thoughts they might have of trying to escape. Hold Shanae, replied Yellowfly, participating in the drama. That man's worth something if we keep him alive. Not worth anything dead. The man cowered and quaked, The woman squatted, put her face in her hands and started weeping silently. Although Yellowfly and Shawnee reasonably believed they had both of their prisoners effectively cowed, they were only half right. Catching them off guard, there came a noise from upstairs. It was a dog barking madly. Yellowfly's expression turned to one of utter disbelief. This dog sounded big and there was no way he could have missed or been missed by an animal like that. He spun around and peered up the darkened staircase, raising his sword, but nothing happened. When he turned back around, the female prisoner was standing, tucked right behind the male, with a dagger in one hand. Its point was sticking straight up under the man's chin. Her cheeks were dry, and her eyes were bright as she laughed.
0: <laughs> Do you think it would be that easy?
1: Who are you? said Yellowfly, taking a step on the stairs. She took a step of her own, forcing the man, now her captive, back with her and towards the destroyed front door.
0: I'm your mama.
1: She sneered. (laughs) With her free hand, she made a rude gesture.
0: This man's worth something to you. He's worth nothing to me. You want him alive?
1: She took another step back, then another then another.
0: Oh, I wouldn't do that, missy.
1: She had seen Shawnee reaching slowly for her bow, which was leaning against the wall near Tamlin and Cole. By the time the woman spoke again, she had made it all the way to the threshold, and her figure became limed in moonlight. Laughing, she jabbed the dagger point straight up.
0: Tell Shmall hello for me. (laughs)
1: Blood sprayed everywhere as she shoved her victim forward and into the house. Shawnee caught him just as the strange woman disappeared out the door and out of sight. (laughs) Unbelievably, when the man in her arms looked up at her, his eyes as big as saucers, there was no sign of any blood on him at all. His neck was intact, and he was completely unharmed. Thanks very much for listening to Tale of the Manticore. If you like what you've heard and wish to support the show, there are four ways you can help. You can recommend the show online or to friends. You can like and retweet episode announcements on Twitter. You can pick up One Shot in the Dark on DriveThruRPG. And finally, you can rate or review the show on your podcatcher of choice. Your reviews really do make a big difference and make the show more visible. And I'm grateful for each one. Here's one of your great reviews from iTunes. It was posted by Alina E. I started listening to this podcast hoping to find something similar to an audiobook just a story to distract me and bring me to a magical place every day. After the first episode, I was hesitant. Dice play? D&D? That stuff is the making of nerds. But something told me to give it a chance. Now a week later, over 20 episodes in and showing no signs of slowing down, I can say I found even more than I could have hoped for. The absolute perfect balance of storytelling, dialogue, beautiful description of scenery and combat, and, somehow, the perfect pace of action. There's been moments of laughter, sitting on the edge of my seat, and even tears. The best part, the narrator doesn't know the path the story will take, and interprets the dice based off what we learn about the characters as the story goes on. If this show is in your list, it needs to be played now. Now wait a minute, did I somehow catch and keep the attention of a non dd player? Now this is a level up milestone if ever there was one. Thank you so much Alina for that extremely awesome review. I very badly want to make a Bargle joke here, but seeing as you aren't into D&D, I'm not sure I could stick the landing. So I'll stick with thanks instead. Thanks are also due to my wonderful voice talent. This episode has three newcomers to the show. In order of appearance, they are, playing Nobre, the safe house owner is Brad Marsh, voice actor on D20 Tales. You can find Brad on Twitter, at Brad Marsh VA. Playing Silmar Rodson, the prickly apothecary, It's one of my new favorite personalities on YouTube, the Dungeon Minister. Lately, I've been watching his Playlog videos every day, and they are heartwarming, funny, and nostalgic. Highly recommended. Finally, playing the as yet unnamed woman who managed an impossible escape from the PCs, it's Yasmin from the Dungeons & Dragons Podcast UK. Check out their show at the Dungeons and Dragons Podcast, teamuk.wordpress.com. Yasmin brings this character to life in a way that makes her jump off the page. Or screen. Or speakers. Well, you know what I mean. Thanks, Yasmin. For those of you who use socials, please follow me on Twitter at ManticoreTale, or if you prefer Instagram, I'm at Tale of the Manticore podcast. My email is tailofthentagore at gmail.com. I also keep a blog at taleofthemanticore.blogspot.com, where I post show notes, art, character sheets, maps, and other miscellany. The story will continue on the next episode of Tale of the Manticore, the story where
0: chaos rolls. This is Daniel Storm, host of the RPG Radio Show. On our show, a group of actors take part in an epic tabletop fantasy adventure. Their words will shape our story, chapter by chapter, into an immersive audio experience. We use sounds to enhance our combat, magic, and scenery. Our story takes place in the vast world of Sildum, a planet-spanning continent full of magic, mystery, and adventure. It's been 1147 years since the end of the Eclipse War. The High Beacon presides over an empire that governs all of Sildum, there is peace, but it is tenuous. Dark forces stir in the shadows. I know how our story starts, but only the characters can decide how it ends. Their words and actions will alter the fate of doom Search for the RPG Radio Show wherever podcasts are available. Join us. An adventure is taking shape.